0: And Steve on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Happy Saturday, everybody! This is Arizona Sports Saturday. It's your weekend stop for live and local sports talk. As always, it's Mitch and Steve. I'm Mitch. He's Steve. We have a special guest today, Steve. We do. Yeah. So Trevor Henry. He did not tell us that he was not going to be here, but I knew he was not going to be here. Slacker. And filling in today, the lovely Eskia Stewart taking over the responsibilities for the next hour and a half. Eskia, happy you're here. Thank you for the work that you do. Really appreciate it. We're taking
1: you up to D-backs,
0: 1230 today. Yeah, it's... Day game. I, w- I wish it was a better Diamondbacks game to react to after yesterday, especially when you think, oh, Zach gallon has got it. Everything's fine. Oh, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it a lot in detail later on. But first, we're going to start with the Phoenix Suns, who apparently they decided to withhold the big news from us last week because our big conversation last week had to do with, you know, the coaching search and maybe just maybe. What can we blame on Monty? What can we do this? What can we do that? And then hours later, it was reported that the Monty Williams had been fired. Yeah,
1: about four hours (laughs) after we got off the air. Timing was impeccable.
0: Just a casual withhold from us here on the Saturday show. That's how it works. Okay,
1: so what do we know so far about this opening and who the Suns are interested in, who they're not interested in is probably just as pivotal in this conversation. What have we learned throughout the course of the week? Gambo doing
0: what Gambo does best. John Gambadoro. for those of you who don't know, he... Does what Gambo does, which is to say he reached out to individuals. He talked to sources, talked around the league. He talked to people that he trusts, that he knows, et cetera, et cetera. And then there were reports throughout the week of candidates who are assisting coaches with other teams right now. So Charles Lee, uh, Darko Ryakovich, who was formerly with the Suns. He's with Memphis. And then Jordy Fernandez, who is, I believe, the lead assistant under Mike Brown in Sacramento. So those three candidates for sure. There is also reports that Kevin Young, who is the assistant head coach under Monty Williams this past year, is going to get an interview as well. And I guess there's a lot of favor for him in particular from Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. But Gambo did shoot some names down, maybe. or I, I should clarify. He shot one name down. Mike Budenholzer is most likely not going to be the next head coach of the Phoenix Suns. That's first and foremost. Do you have have any general reaction
1: to that before I just keep rolling off names? Yeah, to the Budenholzer thing. I find it at least surprising they don't want to talk to him. I don't think there's any harm in talking to as many candidates as possible. If if the Cardinals had not talked to Sean Payton, I would have been like, why? Why not? I mean, even if you don't like him, even if you don't think he's going to be the next coach of the team, why wouldn't you want to have at least a discussion? My understanding, too, is Mike Budenholzer is a local guy. I don't know. That's not a good enough reason to hire him as the coach. He but. had been
0: interviewed in the past. I think it was the year before
1: Monty. So it was the year that they eventually hired Igor Kokoshkov. Yeah, but not under this ownership. Right. Like, that's the whole reason Monty is not the head coach anymore. It's not because he was a bad coach. It's because he and Ishbia didn't gel and because he lost two playoff games in a row. At least based on sorry, two reports. playoff runs in a row ended in horrible pa- fashion at home. Sure. So, I think I those mean, are at the forefront. I don't think that's the full story as to why he would have gotten let go. I No, it's not the full story, but it's it's part of the context. And I don't know why you wouldn't want to talk to Mike Budenholzer. I, I don't know. What would be the benefit of talking
0: with Budenholzer if you already have the inclination that you don't want to hire him? Just to say like, that like, are you are check get the box. S- sure. But Just are to you, say that you t- overturned every rock possible in this
1: coaching search. Are you feeling like you're going to get swayed in some sort of way, though? I guess that's my no. question. No, I don't think you're going to get swayed necessarily, but what if you do love him? What if you talk to him and you realize, oh, you know, maybe our preconceived notions about Budenholzer were wrong. Or maybe he tells you something about, hey, remember when we beat you in the finals a couple of years ago? Here's what I was seeing out of your team. Here's what we could do in my offense, in my scheme. I don't see what is the downside of having that conversation. Worst case scenario, you talk to Budenholzer and he says some stuff you don't like and you're like, all right, thank you for your time. We're going to go another direction. It does feel kind of odd given
0: his decorated history. Yeah. He does only have the one title, to my knowledge, with Milwaukee a couple of years ago. Of course, we remember it vividly. But it's not like he's been an unsuccessful head coach. No. He led an Atlanta Hawks team that really did not have a superstar to a number 1 Eastern Conference seed. Couldn't get past LeBron James and the Cavs during that same period. But
1: who could during that time? The other names you threw out, I don't have a problem with any of those Coaches individually, I don't know as much about them because you know they just haven't been in the position before. Their assistants, right? I just generally think that if you're going to fire Monty Williams, who is not by any means a bad head coach in the NBA, if you're going to fire him and hope to upgrade, a first-time head coach is not the answer. I just don't think you should be experimenting with trying to find the next great head I don't coach.
0: Think, I don't think it's experimenting. I think it's looked at that way because you have a team that is now led by Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. And your window has now shifted to Kevin Durant's three years remaining on his contract. That's your new window. Your window prior was Chris Paul's contract. And then there was the discussion of, well, maybe there's a window after Chris Paul when Devin Booker and Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson and DeAndre Ayton become the faces of this team. And then you traded away Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson for... Basically the first window.
1: And Aiton has fallen out of favor and Chris Paul's contract situation. I, I get it. I get but it. I There's a window. Th-
0: but I don't think that means you'd be experimenting if you hire a coach that has no experience. I will point it out. Two mm-hmm. of the coaches in the current conference finals are first time head coaches. I, yep. And totally. La- and last year, totally Bos- get it. Boston went to the finals with an established team with a first time head coach. It's not completely out of the realm of possibility. I'm not saying it always happens that way, but it's not impossible to think in that direction. You don't necessarily need to hire a decorated coach
1: just because your prior head coach was somewhat just as decorated. You don't need to, but I want to. Okay. I think that there's value there. I want to capitalize on the moment. You don't have a lot of time to develop a great young coach. And and I don't know that if you hire any of those guys who are first-time head coaches, I don't know for a fact that they're going to be able to do the job at a high, high, high level, maybe you think that they can and you're hopeful they can, but you don't know until you know. But there's seven or eight head coaches out there on the market right now that I know for a fact at one point in their career they could be a coach at a high level. There are at least eight of them that I know they could coach at the highest level in the most pressure-packed situations with the biggest stars in the game. Generally speaking, if a coach is really, really good, why wouldn't you just
0: hire him? I don't I don't think you have to put so much emphasis on experience, and I think eventually we will see more experienced names be linked to or reportedly have interviews with the Suns upcoming. I'll mention one in just a second, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to say, hey... Kevin Young was really good at, or listen to Devin Booker. He's talked about during the season how Kevin Young's really good at the X's and O's. Sure, Players seem to really lean towards Kevin Young. Kevin Young, our our pal John Bloom with the Suns, had had great conversations with Kevin Young leading up during some of those pregame shows. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, and I don't think it's the worst thing that will happen
1: to the Suns. I know you don't want it, but I don't think it's the worst thing. It's not like the end of the world if they hire a first-time head coach. I'm not saying that. I just like the proven commodity over the, eh, let's let's see, let's find out. Because I think if you're trying to capitalize on a window that includes Kevin Durant and possibly Chris Paul at his age, there's not a lot of time to figure out, is this head coach, you know, get them experienced. I want a guy who's already experienced. That's just my personal preference. I put together a wish list of the five coaches that I would want to be the coach, the next head coach of the Phoenix Suns. Okay. Like pie in the sky, some of these are completely not even realistic. You're not, not asking c- for Phil Jackson, are you? Uh, not Phil Jackson, but I I, <laughs> I went pretty high on this list. All right, go ahead. Hit all me. right, so well, let's go through each one, five to one, and you can tell me what the pros, the cons, all that stuff we can talk about. I'll just give you my natural reaction. How's that? Number five on my wish list, Ty Lu. We Love talked it. a lot about him. Love it. Uh, the pros, he's got a relationship with James Jones, which if James is going to continue to be a part of this organization and run the front office, which I think is a question, but... There's the relationship there. He won a championship in Cleveland with stars like LeBron and Kyrie. The problem, the, the the con is he's still under contract, and I don't know what the Suns could trade the Clippers if they wanted to get tied. I don't think they could. I don't
2: Generally
1: they could speaking, do I don't think they could. You would need a first-round pick, and they don't have a first-round pick to trade. Number four on my list, Mike Budenholzer is available. The pros are he won the 2021 championship over the Suns. He's a local guy, which helps a little bit. Experience with coaching bigs, he developed Giannis Antetokounmpo into one of the greatest basketball players in the league. He completely revitalized that offense. And success with star players like him and Drew Holiday and and Middleton. He's got that experience with those guys. The downside is, why did he have a first-round exit this year with probably the best team in the Eastern Conference? That just doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't make a lot of sense to fire Monty Williams for a second-round exit and then go hire the guy that had a first-round exit. It would just be one thing to overcome. Uh, third on my list, Eric Spolstra. Just explain because I'm going to say no because it's completely out of the line of possibility. The pro is he's got a championship culture in Miami. He coached the big three, he's got championships. He's done it with multiple versions of the Miami Heat, this current one that's in the playoffs. The one with LeBron and D-Wade, he's done it over many years, has a winning culture in Miami. I would love for him to be the coach. Now, the downside is he's he's got a good life in Miami. He's the
0: second longest tenured head coach actively in the league. He's not going anywhere. And he, I mean, they're still in it. (laughs) <laughs> they're up
1: to nothing right they've uh, they might win another they've title Not
0: lost at home this postseason and they're
1: going home with a 2-0 lead and could you imagine what it would cost to pry him away like at least with tyloo you can make the argument the clippers might blow it up they might get rid of Kawhi and paul george and russell westbrook so there's no nowhere. reason for him to he be there ain't going nowhere spolstra's not but hey this is my wish list these are the people i'm hoping for Some big wishes but continue number two on my list you thought that was a big one. <laughs> oh god greg popovich The pros are he coached some of the greatest bigs the game has ever seen in David Robinson and Tim Duncan. Imagine what he could do with DeAndre Ayton. I'm just going to cut you off real quick. If Greg Popovich is your two, yeah. Greg Popovich is your two. Yeah. Who the hell is your one? We're going to get there. We're going to get there. You tease. Greg Popovich is maybe the best head coach in NBA history. Why would you not want to have a conversation with Greg Popovich? He's got Team USA experience. He knows Devin. He knows KD. San Antonio has been garbage for the last handful of years, really since the Duncan Parker era, really since Kawhi left. But it's paid off. That's the thing. That's the con is just this week he gets the number one pick. He's going to get the biggest prospect that the sport has ever seen in Victor Wembenyama. Does he really want to leave San Antonio in the comfort of Texas and the organization will do anything he asks for? Does he want to leave that? For a new challenge in Phoenix. It's doubtful, but he's number 2 on my wish list. Well, it's list. the challenge of Phoenix or the challenge of Victor Wembenyama, and I like my chances better with Victor Wembenyama. I could make the case that he's got a better shot at winning a championship in his 70s in Phoenix with Kevin Durant and Devin Booker I than pro- with a I could a 20-year-old Wembenyama. Number 1 on my wish list. Steve Kerr. That would be a good number one. The pros are pretty obvious. The Warriors have been dominant for, I don't know, better part of a decade. He is a guy who's very familiar with Phoenix. He was the general manager here for a time. Does he have this? Do you think there's
0: still tension there?
1: Is it tension, or is it a burning desire to write something that maybe he views as a wrong in his career? Or is it a burning bridge? Uh, I I don't know. know. I mean, uh, he worked here under Robert Sarver, not Matt Ishbia. So there's a whole clean slate here in Phoenix. It's not the same people running the show. sure. Um, but again, you run into the same problem you run into with Popovich and Spolstra and maybe even Ty Lewis. Why would he leave Golden State? Reportedly, Bob Myers, their GM who works really closely with Kerr, uh, he might be on his way out. If Phoenix could swipe Bob Myers, is there a chance they could have a conversation with Steve Kerr? Maybe he says, Hey, this whole thing with Steph Draymond and Clay, they're getting older. They're not getting better. Maybe if I want to go win another title and find a new challenge in my career. And Steve Kerr has wanted many different types of challenges in his career. You can't say that he hasn't. Is that somebody that might consider, hey, if we're blowing this thing up in, in, in Golden State, maybe Phoenix is the place for me again. You're right a, or wrong in my career. You're such a tease.
0: That's all I'm going to say. None of those are going to happen. More of this coaching search, more of the hefty offseason that awaits the Phoenix Suns. We'll chat with Kevin Zimmerman, co-host of Empire of the Suns podcast and one of Arizona sports' lead writers next here on Arizona Sports Saturday. Mitch Ferrell, the Steve Zinsmeister back here on Arizona Sports Saturday. A lot of stuff on task ask for the Suns this offseason. Number one, probably finding a new head coach, but there's other stuff on that list that we need some more insight on. And to get more insight on it, we turn to the phones. The Arizona Sports Line is where Kevin Zimmerman is waiting, Arizona Sports lead writer and co-host of the Empire of the Suns podcast. Kevin, thanks so much for taking the time today. Appreciate it. Hey, guys. How are you? We're good. We're good. So where would you like to start on this big off-season to-do list? Oh, man.
2: Uh, Coaching search. Let's go.
0: Okay. Um, Gambo had put it out there yesterday that he wouldn't be surprised if Doc Rivers got an interview. What is your immediate reaction?
2: Yeah, I mean, so I, I think my overall thing about Monty was, um, I mean, it, it's a move on, right? It's looking for what what do we need here? You need more development if you want more out of DeAndre Ayton, and that's kind of why I think coaching search is the base, big first thing to fall, right? Because I think what you do with D.A., that contract, or keeping him and developing, developing him is the big thing and the big question you got to ask the head coach. And to me, that's where... I think the interesting part is of look, Doc Rivers, Monty Williams, Mike Budenholzer seem to me redundant. Um I was joking with someone around the office like if if you didn't like Monty blowing two zero leads, then let's get a coach to blow three one leads with Doc. <laughs> I mean so I I think it's really just a turn of they're serious about younger coaches, people who can actually give you a good answer about what to do with DA, what more you can get out of Kevin Durant and Devin Booker and like, yeah, they'd only had a few games together, but I think it is a matter of if someone says, I would have done this differently, I would have had it implemented in five, 10 games. Um, I think that's the type of coach they're looking for. So I don't know if Doc's the right answer. Look, I think he'll be a, a new voice who'd get them a long ways, but he has the same kind of baggage as Monty and Mike Budenholzer, to be honest.
1: Okay, so then talk to me about some of the younger candidates, the first time head coach candidates. Um, because I'm one of the people who's of the opinion that if you have a short window with Kevin Durant and possibly Chris Paul still, I'd rather have the proven commodity of a championship winning coach. And there's seven or eight of those out there right now uh, as possibilities. But it seems like you're right. They want to go the route of a first time head coach. Uh, who are some of those guys and w- what makes them stand out above the rest?
2: yeah um I mean again, to your point it it's a huge risk, right? I think that's why moving on from money was a huge risk um because you know if you come with a proven head coach, uh they don't necessarily have the answers, right? Do the young guys have the answers? maybe, but that's also harder um to do and implement and get done than just walking the interview and saying, but um as far as the candidates, I think you could start with Darko Ryakovic who Had a year um, with Devin Booker, and that was kind of Monty's first year where they implemented that .5 offense, got really good returns with, you know, Book, Kelly Oubre Jr., Ricky Rubio, D.A., um, and a little Mikel Bridges in there. So I I think they know him. Um, Kevin Durant actually had him in Oklahoma City the last two years, so obviously your two stars are familiar with him if they're good with him. Um, he's an offensive mind. He also is really credited with developing the Kelbridges in that one year, developed a lot of guys with Memphis. Uh, Desmond Bain is the obvious one who blew up kind of this past year. Um, so he has kind of both the developmental is familiar with the guys and also is an offensive coach. Um, but then you go to Jordy Fernandez, who is under Mike Brown had some time with the Nuggets and, a lot of developmental work in his background. He, I think he has like a PhD or something. So really smart guy, but you know, even if you can say you relate to players like these guys, it's a matter of, okay. um, I don't think book and Katie are the most, you know, dramatic superstars to work with, but it's still a matter of, can you get them to buy in? And that's always the toughest part, but those two guys, um, Charles Lee with the bucks, obviously he's been in the coaching circles for the last two off seasons, I believe. So he, also, some clown around the league, developmental guy as well.
0: Would you prefer the Suns to go in a direction of somebody with more experience, or does that really not bother you all that much?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't have a good answer for you. I think that the biggest thing overall is when you fired Monty, they didn't have, I mean, at, at this point, it seems like they didn't have a certain guy in mind, right? It's It's they really want to look, and I will credit them for a franchise that, a few years ago, decided to hire a head coach with, and admitted they didn't interview anyone um, with <laughs> Earl Watson. I think this is good. There, they're getting uh, a bunch of names in of different backgrounds. So I'll give them credit for that. But that's the big risk. Again, is if you don't have a really obvious guy you can go out and get in mind um, with Monty out, then you're taking chances. And I think that's why the Ty Lue thing. You know, it makes a lot of sense. Like that's my like if you had to tick one, that's the obvious number one, but then it's just a lot of question marks after that. Um, And again, if you want to talk about him, I mean, it's 10 steps down the road for whether they could even have a chance at getting him away from the Clippers.
1: Talking with Kevin Zimmerman, Arizona Sports lead writer, co-host of the Empire of the Suns podcast as well. Um, What's this rumor I keep hearing about DeAndre Ayton could be traded for the third overall pick in Portland? Does that make any sense to you?
2: No, I mean... His stock is hard to judge. I think there is um, a little more to it as frustrated as Phoenix, Phoenix fans uh, get with him. I, I think you could get a couple of good players, good rotation players back for him. But as far as like trading to Portland and getting a number three pick, I don't think so, especially in this draft where, um, you know, there's a top number one and then there's kind of Brandon Miller and Scoot Henderson are a solid one, two behind that. It's kind of a question of who goes after Victor Wemignana, So I don't buy the DA's worth the number three pick at this point um, because you want to go get, you know, rotation players ready to win now, too. And that's the biggest thing is I don't even know how good those players could be. I'm sure you can get rotation players, but like, are are they going to make up for, again, how frustrating he might be? Are they going to make up for that loss and give you two really good bodies? So I would be doubtful about that one. But I, I do think that DA's market has a little more oomph than probably Phoenix fans think.
0: Well, Mark Stein put out the report, I guess it was either today or yesterday recently on his personal account that the, the eight to Dallas stuff, it may not have as much traction as we think. I forget his exact verbiage, but I'm kind of paraphrasing what he put in there. So, what teams are left then? If it's if it's obviously not going to be for the number three overall pick with Portland, and if apparently Dallas is soured on the market, like who's left to actually entertain offers for DeAndre Ayton?
2: Well, I forget the exact date, but the Pacers are on the radar, and I think it's going to have to be in a few months at least before they're allowed to trade with them. Um, obviously, they signed to that. Um, offer sheet last off season, the Suns matched, uh, they might have interest still. In and if you got like a miles Turner and another rotation piece, they have a lot of guards. Um, then that kind of gives you one more body. It allows you to maybe keep Chris Paul and give him, um, backcourt help. Cause they have a lot of guards. Um, that's the type of move I would think would be like a, a win, um, but yeah it's tough the Dallas thing's super difficult because just the contracts that you can send out you can't just take back like a Kyrie Irving like that's crazy if they were sign and trade Kyrie Irving I don't even know how that would work you would have to do a lot of moving around financially just to get, set that tr- trade uh, sign and trade up um, but yeah it, it's also like man after those couple of mentions I'm not sure who wants B.A., he, you know, lots of question marks. You have to have a coach in place who, you know, can get more out of him and has a really good plan and knows his flaws and knows how he ticks, and that's obviously something Monty struggled with.
1: Chris Paul can be brought back for $30 million or they can cut him for 15 Now the idea is being tossed around that they could waive him, stretch the contract over a couple of years so it's cheaper and then the possibility of bringing him back on a I don't know mid-level or veterans minimum whatever it ends up being what scenario do you see as being the most likely for the Suns and Chris Paul
2: yeah I think the stretching you can't bring him back Um, so you'd have to kind of eat 15 and then pay him a little extra so basically you would save a little over 10 or so in that scenario Stretching would basically be we're trying to open up thirty million and, and be able to be under the cap, perhaps with a couple other smaller moves. So I, from that report, I believe it was Chris Haynes earlier this week. Um, it, it seems like they're going to keep him, and I, I'll say like it's hard. It's going to be hard to replace him, and that's one where I don't think he has the trade juice. Where if you s- traded his thirty million after picking it up, you could go get good pieces because he's kind of nearing the end of the line. But that being said. The guy is really important. He played a role. If he averages 13 assists or 13 points, 8 assists a game, um, 9 assists a game like this past season, I think there's still lots of value in that. And he's not absolutely a defensive liability just because he's so smart. So I I think there's value in keeping him. But, again, it's kind of hand-in-hand with DA's contract, right? It's like you kind of think that they should move one of those just to kind of fill their roster in a little more evenly, not as top-heavy and see where it goes um but yeah it's it's a definite question mark it's a thing they have i think june 28th the date where they have to decide what to do with that contract before it becomes fully guaranteed so another thing they have got to figure out and i think again it matters what the next coach says
0: kevin as always thanks so much for the time thanks for carving out a few minutes on a saturday for us appreciate it
2: thanks for having me guys
0: That's Kevin Zimmerman, one of the lead writers on ArizonaSports.com and co-host of the Empire of the Suns podcast that he does with Kellen Olsen. They've done a lot during the playoffs run, and now they're going to be just as busy as this hefty, hefty offseason continues on, which includes what to do with Chris Paul. Steve and I will talk about that next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Mitch Vareldis, Steve Zinsmeister, Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
1: It is Arizona Sports Saturday. Thanks for spending part of your weekend here with us. The big question we were just talking about before the break, what do you do with Chris Paul if you're the Suns? So he's obviously closer to the end of the career than the beginning by a long shot. $30 million next year if you want to keep him on his current salary, or you can pay him $15 million to go away and cut him, basically. Then there's this idea of the contract stretch where you waive him and you take that 15 million you would give him and you spread it out over I don't know let's just say five years and now you're paying Chris Paul three million per season to go away essentially opening up what is 27 to 30 million dollars in cap space I'm gonna throw that in big air quotes because cap space is pretty relative money that you can use for other players basically exactly so is that something worth doing Should the Suns be considering waving and stretching Chris Paul and basically sacrificing that point guard, your third or fourth best player on the team right now, in order to add depth and be a little less top-heavy at the top of the roster? I mean, look, we talked
0: about it last week. Would you rather have four players that are taking up 80% of your payroll? Because that's kind of the situation that they're in right now with Durant, Booker, Aiton, and Paul taking up basically 80% of their entire cap room. I think the logical math option would be to not give him $30 million. But I wonder, is it even worth it to just move on from him completely? I don't know that it is. is. He's still essentially the floor general for this team. The frustration, I get it. He's rarely ever available for the postseason. But maybe I'm just feeling a little too sentimental about the idea of letting go of Chris Paul, someone who basically got this team out of the rubble along with Monty Williams. I don't know. I wonder, from a basketball sense, who are you going to get that's better? I guess would be the follow up question to that.
1: Yeah. I mean, we talked about it last week, too. And uh, if uh, let's, let's. Eliminate the stretch possibility for a second. If it was between paying Chris Paul 30 million or paying him 15 to go away, I've always been of the opinion that you're probably not going to find a replacement at point guard for Chris Paul that is as good or even close to Chris Paul for 15 million between those two. Right. Because if you give him 15 to go away and then you pay, I'm just throwing a name out there, Fred Van Vliet 20 million, now you've paid 35 combined for Fred Van Vliet. You see what I mean? Whereas I would rather just give Chris Paul the 30. Yeah. And if you want to look at the free agent market for point guards, uh, I don't have it in front of me, but basically there's like four names at the top of the list that are really, really good, like James Harden, Kyrie Irving. And then there's a significant drop-off. Oh, yeah. I mean, mean, like the fifth best point guard available is Kobe White. Okay,
0: so how about this? Gambo threw out a possibility this week. I'm working as fast as I can to pull up their contract numbers. But Gambo doing what Gambo does was... Been searching for possible replacements for Chris Paul. Like, who could it be? Could it be this? Could it be... Blue? Would you be okay with Malcolm Brogdon? Good player, but... At 22 I, and a yeah, half a year. He's got injury issues, too. That's probably why he's on his third team in... Yeah, that's why he would be available. Years. Yeah. I don't hate the player. I think he's a fine player. What's reigning, the cost? Reigning sixth man of the year, 22 and a half a year. So you have to trade for him. And he's the reigning sixth man of the year. How are you trading for him? So is Boston in a rush to get rid of him? What are you trading? Well, the first piece would be Aiton, but then Gambo went on to say Celtics don't have interest in Aiton. So then it doesn't which work. Is, which is the forever problem. It's like, oh, this team has said player that would be really good for the Suns. All they would need to do is take DeAndre Ayton.
1: Guess what? They don't want DeAndre Aiton. Yeah, where have you heard that? Before? For whatever reason. Um. So what? You would have to trade Chris Paul for his replacement? Like, great, Malcolm Brogdon's fine as a replacement, but is it going to be more expensive? And is there even a trade to be worked out there?
0: I don't think that there is. I'm sure there's a trade to be worked out. It's going to be less. What do you have? It's going to be less expensive in terms of Chris Paul versus Malcolm Brogdon. You're saving like, what,
1: eight mil? But that's if you traded Chris Paul for him. Sure.
0: But then to make the math work, somebody else would have to be moved from Boston in order to make it work. I don't know if Boston's willing to do that. Not for Chris Paul. No. So then it doesn't I work. Think, I don't think
1: Boston's looking to get older. I don't think there's a trade there. I don't think that's a partnership that but works. I, but it, it can't be ruled out, necessarily. And the Suns don't even really have smaller pieces to trade. I mean, they have Shamit. I think he's at like 9 or $10 million. Other than that, you don't have picks that are tradable until 2029 because of the Durant deal. You don't have a lot of role players currently on the roster. Campaign, I think they can bring back. So like, there's gonna, not a lot to trade. Are we going to work under the assumption that
0: Chris Paul is going to be on this team next year and they just got to find somebody behind him?
1: I think it's more likely Chris Paul's on the team than DeAndre Ayton. Because I think, I, I agree with Kevin Zimmerman, who we just talked to last segment. I agree that DeAndre Ayton is much more appealing in the trade market than Chris Paul would be. All right, so how about the free agent market then?
0: The number one you've already mentioned is probably Kyrie Irving. That's probably the best point. In bro. terms of age, ability,
1: and access to him i would actually argue james harden's better okay and he essentially by all he's probably probably just listed as a shooting guard on
0: this list but i i won't argue that because he was basically a point guard in philly and he was a point guard when it was the big three in brooklyn that completely fell apart sure the trouble with Kyrie, something i mentioned when we were talking with kevin i guess mark stein had a report out either today or yesterday where he's essentially saying and i'm paraphrasing what was a paraphrase so Take it for what it's worth. But he's essentially saying, well, slow down. This Aiton and Dallas stuff, eh, it might not be as heavy as you think it is. I don't know why they would want to go that route. Well, that's how you would probably get Kyrie Irving is in a sign and trade. Why would they give up on Kyrie Irving? Well, I mean, they can give up on him right now if they wanted they to. Can, they can, yeah.
1: He's a free agent, I guess. So The, I, the I only guess reason that matter, you wouldn't
0: but... give up on Kyrie Irving from Dallas's standpoint is because he was already a good player and you already screwed up with not bringing back Jalen Brunson was younger and clearly more talented and now you kind of got yourself in a bind where if you don't do anything this offseason that is ground shaking you're gonna then have to start worrying about what Luca wants and needs is Aiden what Luca wants does he want
1: just a pick and roll partner because it seems like that's all Aiden wants to be I don't know man I'm not sure Dallas is the right fit there I, I don't know who is. I mean, there's these rumors we've talked about with, like, Portland, and do they want Aiden? And- I mean, I can keep throwing out names if you want. I've got All a right, list. go ahead, yeah.
0: Uh, logical or realistic or whatever? Uh, give me logical first. Let's live in reality. Gabe Vincent is a free agent. Gabe Vincent is who? going to be entering <laughs> his 27th year season, his 27th age season. I, I was going to say, say 27th season. He's on the Miami Holy Heat. Cow. He is currently their starting point guard because Kyle Lowry is coming off the bench now. It's look, it's not jump off the page, but it is certainly realistic given that he's getting paid 1.7 this year.
1: All right, what are you giving up for him? You don't have to. He's a free agent. Oh, he's a free agent. This is this is the list. Okay, yes. oh, okay, this is a free agent list. I'm sorry, I thought you were suggesting You're trades. Uh, I mean. Sure. I don't I don't know that that's the best replacement, though. I mean, look, I can name all a borderline all star. This list, which I have organized
0: by point guards that are free agents. Yeah. Kyrie Irving, Fred Van Vliet, D'Angelo Russell, Pat Bev, Russell Westbrook, Dennis Schroeder, Gabe Vincent, Javon Carter, Trey Jones, Io DeSumo.
1: That's the top 10 according to this list. Let's assume Pat Dev is not going to be the answer um, <laughs> for obvious reasons. What makes you say that? Because he's kind of the villain oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in that Phoenix. Might be. might be a reason. Um, I don't hate the name Fred Van Vliet. And if I remember right, that name has been coming up for a couple of off seasons in a row. For the trade songs. rumors this current past trade deadline. What would that trade look like? I don't know. I, I can't imagine well, so, Toronto would want. So he has a
0: player option. So he would have to opt out of that player option to be a free agent. Or he could opt in in and they could trade him. And they could trade him, but then you're only getting an asset for a year.
1: Chris Paul. Would Toronto want to do that? Toronto's not in competition right now. Like they're not contending. Why would they want Chris Paul? Why would Chris Paul want to go there? Not that he gets a say necessarily. That's in his own words. I'm not the GM. I don't know, man. This is all so complex. Like, the Suns are in one of those situations where they're very
0: restricted. You know why it's complex? Because Chris Paul can't stay healthy. Chris Paul is amazing when he's on the floor. He does so much to make this team better, to elevate this team, to make DeAndre Ayton actually feel wanted in this team. But he's not on the floor when you need him the most. That's the biggest problem with this Chris Paul conundrum. And is anybody else out there going to improve in that area when they're on the floor, even if they're on the floor for every single game? Like, for example, Russell Westbrook will probably probably be on the floor every single game that he plays if he is a son. Is he going to elevate your team with Booker and Durant, though? I'd rather ha- I think I'd rather have Westbrook than Paul. But is he going to elevate your team?
1: If he plays the way he did for the Clippers in the first round.
0: But that's very ball dominant, and you've
1: got two yeah, dudes that you would much is. rather have being the scoring load. See, you know what I'd like is just that defensive
0: effort. Sure. Running around blocking shots. Sure. There are elements of Russell Westbrook's game I
1: love. Yeah. But does it fit and does it help the Phoenix Sun? I don't even I don't know that know. he and Durant get along. Because, spoiler alert, they've tried that before. Yep. So times. I don't even know if that would be something that they would even consider. So I. It's. Dude, there's a lot there with the Chris Paul thing. Maybe. Maybe the stretching his contract idea is the best one because it's the cheapest. Then you just don't get to keep him, and you got to find a new point guard. Yeah, then you got to go to the free agent market, and I don't know what's there really. Uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks have arguably the best pitcher in baseball except then last night happened. We're going to dive into that next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Mitch Fereldis, Steve Zinsmeister, Arizona Sports Saturday.
0: Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. And the pitch. Swing and a line drive into the right field corner. That is down and through the wall. One run is in. Here comes McCutcheon. They're going to hold Reynolds at third. Swinski at second with a two-run double. And it's the Pirates now who lead it 6-1. to one. Oh boy, that was not fun yesterday. 13-3 to three, the final yesterday for the Snakes. Eight runs. Two-game winning streak snapped. Terrible, no good, very bad outing out of Zach Gallen. Uncharacteristic, uh, just from top to bottom.
1: I, I don't know, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with Zach Gallen? Yeah, I mean, he gives up five earned, eight total runs in three and two-thirds. This is the guy who's leading... Right now, the leading candidate for the Cy Young in the National League still is. What's fascinating is, despite this atrocious outing, his ERA jumped from two point three five to two point nine five. That's pretty good. He's still under three, that's so he's good. still very much in prime position for that award if if that's uh, what comes to pass. Uh, listen, I think that Zach Allen is finally getting the recognition like nationwide not just locally, we all kind of know that he's been spectacular. He's got these two incredible stretches, one in his rookie year, both with the Marlins and the and the uh, Diamondbacks, and then last season as well. He's been phenomenal. Yeah. But I think that he's finally getting looked at as an actual ace, like around the league, not just our best player. Well, so let's think about it. These are kind
0: of like bookend starts then, right? If this Pirates is the last book end, and the start against the Dodgers was the first bookend, those pages in the middle were some really, really good Zach Gallon starts. Oh, yeah. which is Which is fantastic for us, knowing that there's a guy you can send out there and you can believe in him. And then when you have starts like this, it kind of sets you back. And the Pirates have been a surprise all year. They went on a massive skid after the end of April, but they're still very competitive. They're towards the top of their division. They're second right now. It helps that the St. Louis Cardinals decided to not be a baseball team this year. I saw this <laughs> yesterday, though. This is courtesy of Opta Stats, who I don't think I've ever heard of, but I'm sure any stats page would have had this. Yesterday marked the first time in his career that Zach Allen of the Diamondbacks had more walks than strikeouts in an outing. Wow. He had four walks to two strikeouts. That's crazy. His streak of 90 consecutive appearances without having more walks than strikeouts was the longest streak by any MLB pitcher to begin his career in the
1: modern era. Cool stat, right? Wow. Think about that for a second. That's insane. Guys do that all the time where they walk more than they strike out. Oh, sure. Zach Allen doesn't. Never. I mean, Zach Allen had what?
0: One time. He had like six walks entering his prior start against San Francisco. Six. This kid's special. Even when he's awful yesterday, we're, we're talking about how
1: special he is.
0: Now, in fairness to Gallen, he didn't get a lot of help from an offense that had been on a bit of a surge the last week or so. They got a lot of help out of Dominic Fletcher, who's been a grand surprise getting called up from Triple-A. Geraldo Perdomo hit another home run yesterday. He continues to swing a hot stick. The inconsistency stuff is driving me nuts, though. Like, can we please have a baseball game where I expect Gallon to pitch well, I expect the offense to put up runs, and I expect the bullpen to close out a game? I don't think
1: I've been able to say all three of those things in a single game all year. Though. Yeah, but you know what? All things considered, uh, the Diamondbacks, as of, I think I recorded a podcast uh, yesterday, the Ain't No Fang podcast. You can find it at ArizonaSports.com. It's all things D-backs and baseball. Um, as of yesterday, I think they were the fourth best offense in baseball. They've been doing it their own way with speed. Base running in the beginning of the season. They're, recently, their power numbers are way up, including Christian Walker's been great. Lourdes is a top 10 hitter in baseball this season so far, thanks to the last three weeks. Um, they're starting pitching, lots of question marks there. There's still 60% of their starting rotation, I think, has a question mark next to it. Uh-huh. But Zach Gallen's a, a Cy Young candidate. Merrill Kelly might be even better in certain statistics. I don't think he's the better pitcher, don't get me wrong, but he might be an all-star. With some of his numbers, ERA under three currently as well. Um, so the bullpen, really solid if you want to look at it. I mean, yeah, they're not, they're not going to be the most locked down bullpen in the league the way that they've been. Uh, it's just inconsistent. That's my only gripe. I, it's okay. not It's not that they're not
0: getting saves or they're not closing up shop. It's just that the inconsistency is driving me nuts. One night, Miguel Castro looks like he's on fire. The next night, he's the one allowing the fire.
1: But you know yeah. what? It comes out looking pretty good in the stats. Like, I I get what you're saying. Like, you you hate to lose any game, right? But, I mean, that just happens over a 162-game season. Their bullpen's been pretty good, especially when you consider what it's looked like the last few seasons. Do you think the bullpen needs more help? Sure. Every bullpen in baseball needs more help. Okay, what needs more help, the bullpen or this rotation? Rotation. The rotation. I want to throw a name out there that
0: Gamble has mentioned just kind of like a, it seems more like of a wish list item, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, and I don't think he does either. If Milwaukee starts to go in a negative direction, now it's a lot to ask. They're in first place in their division right now. But if Milwaukee starts to go in a negative direction, or hell, if they even decide to execute a trade similar to what they did last year, where they sent Josh Hader to the Padres in a move that shocked really everybody, and then Milwaukee missed out on the playoffs. There's one guy who I think could really, really help this rotation right now. And you probably know where I'm leaning at this point. Because it kind of had a messy, messy off season between these two parties. I'm referring to right-hander Corbin Burns. Yeah. National League Cy Young candidate of the past couple of seasons as well.
1: Um, I mean, in theory, it sounds great. What are you having to give up to get Corbin Burns? I don't know. This
0: prospect, this farm system that the Diamondbacks have built up, I think you have a lot of expendable pieces more
1: than you think. You do. uh. At the same time, I don't know that there's a lot of high-end prospects right now that that the Brewers would want for Burns. The thing is, he's an expiring or contract. A, or would you trade a major league-level prospect? Uh, I mean, you could, but again, how many of them are established enough? So like, part of your surplus that you have, if you're the Diamondbacks, is right now they've got a ton of outfielders. You've got Corbin Carroll, who's untouchable. You've got Lourdes Gurriel, they're not trading him, even though he's expiring. Uh, You got McCarthy and Thomas who are currently in AAA because they couldn't hit at the major league level effectively so far this season. Dominic Fletcher is up. He's doing pretty well, establishing his name a little bit. Dominic Canzone is sitting in AAA and killing the baseball and is not on the 40-man roster. That's a possibility, but also not a huge prospect name. A lot of people haven't heard of Dominic Canzone. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure I'm even forgetting somebody. Kyle Lewis factors in a little bit once he's back from his mysterious viral... Illness. You've got that. You've got a surplus of starting pitchers. But the thing is, you got to figure out this season which of these guys you're going to keep long term so that you can figure out which ones you're going to trade. Does that make sense? Like, Brandon Fought's a big name prospect, but hasn't been amazing. He had a good last outing, but he hasn't been amazing since coming up. Are you trading Brandon Fought for Corbin Burns for, by the way, three months of Corbin Burns? But then you can try and re sign him. You can, but you have just as good of odds at re signing him as anybody else
0: in the league. Okay. Would you rather have Corbin Burns for half of the season, or would you rather have the half season that we got out of Madison Baumgartner?
1: I would much rather have the half season of Corbin Burns.
0: But it's I know the it's opportunity a, cost of that bad we're comparison. About. But at the same time, I almost feel more confident that this team could re sign and convince to re sign Corbin Burns than in the way that they went out and got after Madison Baumgartner. Corbin Burns is younger heading into this arbitration year he's not 30 he's not coming off of three separate world series runs within that past half decade like this is a completely
1: different pitcher. yeah but by the way the Milwaukee Brewers are one of the smarter front offices in baseball really because they traded their closer last year for almost nothing nope I still believe they're one of the smartest front offices in baseball they're not going to be duped the way that Mike Hazen duped the Tigers into giving him JD Martinez for practically nothing practically nothing. That's not happening again. And while Corbin Burns, I mean, he's a great pitcher. He, he's one a Cy Young. Uh, I think he's been just pretty okay this season. He's got less uh, strikeout numbers this year. His, his ERA is at like three and a half, I think. He's a pretty solid pitcher. I'd love to have him in Arizona. What can you give up feasibly to get him? I agree with you. You have a surplus of starting pitchers and outfielders, but the problem is you got to figure out which ones of those you're keeping long-term. Because the ones that have trade value right now, like Dominic Fletcher's looked great. Is he a part of that deal? So is now the time to pounce. Is now whereas, the time to
0: pounce. Whereas this administration in the past has failed to do with the likes of Robbie Ray, Patrick Corbin, David Peralta. Like at what point are you going, and think about it this way. The Diamondbacks did make an aggressive trade this offseason. They traded away, to your point, their second best power hitter on the team. Dalton Varsho. Look where they are now. It was a great trade. Can they make another one of those? And can they do it where it works for rewards? both sides?
1: Yes. Yeah, I think you can. It's just a question of what the Brewers want in return. In general, this brand and team... fought would be one of the first names I would bring up
0: if I were the Brewers. And I have no problem with that. And I don't think they're going to feel much regret over it, especially if Burns helps get this team to the postseason, gets them to go a long way. And then if Hazen can give him a reasonably agreeable deal in the offseason, Like he's still got one more arbitration year upcoming, so you can get away with it for one more year. Mm -hmm. But I thought he was free He's got one more arbitration year in twenty four, and then he's an unrestricted free agent in twenty five. Okay. So you technically could get him for a year and a half. Although might be in his best interest to try and get a long term. That's gonna drive the cost up a little bit too. Would you rather pay for an expiring? But would you rather pay Okay. Five eighty five was
1: Bumgarner. Would you give that exact same contract to Corbin Burns? I'd give him more. But do they have that money lying around? I don't know the answer to that. Coming
0: up next, is there money lying around to give to DeAndre Ayton any longer if you're the Phoenix Suns? We'll talk about it next on Arizona Sports Saturday.